0: At USHBC, we get so excited for our vision of becoming the world's favorite fruit.
1: Arguably, there's not enough blueberries in the world to meet what the world can consume. Looking at what the potential is, obviously not forgetting about the trade barriers and the issues that you have to grow them. The market is potentially very large, and what we're trying to do is find those opportunities so that as the industry matures, you're able to take advantage of them.
2: Today we're
0: going to share clips from the recent Oregon Blueberry Conference where Alicia Adler and I share updates on how we're executing our strategic plan to grow demand in the innovation era for blueberries.
2: This copyrighted podcast is presented by the US Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, President of the U.S. High Bush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist.
0: Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Last week, I had the opportunity to attend the Oregon Blueberry Conference. It was a fantastic event, and both Alicia Adler and I provided an update to the industry there about what the USHBC is doing on behalf of the industry to execute on our vision and our new five-year strategic plan. I want to also thank Brian Oslin and the Oregon Blueberry Commission's leadership for the invitation to join them and speak to the future ahead for blueberries. I think this is important information for everyone in the industry, whether you're an organ or not. So we asked if we could record these presentations and share them with you on this podcast. So today's episode is a little different. You're going to hear our condensed presentations. We won't make you listen to the whole thing about what's happening today to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. I think there's something here of value for everyone in the industry. And we'd love to have your buy-in and participation as we cast an ambitious vision for the future of blueberries. We broke the content up a bit for the podcast format, so you'll first hear from VP of Global Business Development, Alicia Adler, about some of the exciting initiatives she has going on. And then after our crop report, you'll hear from me about how we are executing on our strategic plan. And then we'll end with more from Alicia on Global Business Development after our marketing boost. Now, on this episode in particular, I would really appreciate your feedback. Both on what you think about what USHBC is doing for you, of course, uh, but also about sharing these recorded presentations from live events like this one on the podcast and if that still is worthwhile for you. We would also welcome the invitation to speak at your group. I really do enjoy these opportunities to participate in regional and state meetings to discuss what's happening in Blueberries and with the USHBC. So if you're planning to host a gathering, a conference, or an industry event, and you'd like to have the latest information on how USHBC is leading the industry's efforts in driving demand, market development, our data and insights, health and nutrition, I could go on, but please reach out to us. We would always look forward to these kinds of opportunities to be able to share. But without further ado, here is Alicia Adler's presentation titled International Blueberry Marketing, Market Access, and Strategies for Export Growth. She kicks things off with a brief overview of her work over the past several months.
1: Many of you are involved in the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council through the leadership on the council or on the board serving on various committees. You know we went through a strategic planning process, and what came out of that is several pillars that really are intended to drive our programming and meet the needs of the US blueberry industry. One of them was global business development, which is where I spend my time and effort. And the goal there is to increase export volume and value of all blueberry forms by reducing technical barriers to trade and implementing market development programs that grow demand for blueberries around the world. To me, this statement really has two directives, develop markets and support the industry and the supply side. So the project actually Danny was just talking about was one of the grants we obtained from the USDA Foreign Agricultural Service, the Technical Assistance for Specialty Crops Program. And the blueberry industry over the past five years has become the largest recipient of that grant program because you have a lot of technical barriers to trade. And a lot of them meet the requirements of this grant program. And we've been able to leverage that grant program to address MRL barriers and address developing protocols that comply and meet the the demands and needs of foreign markets to open them and developing systems approach protocols, for example, for the West Coast and the East Coast for various pests. And then on top of that, developing the market, and actually growing that demand, finding new consumers, and growing those markets internationally where the potential is greatest. And these are your top export markets. So we broke them down by frozen, fresh, and dry, because they really are different markets. We do have marketing programs that really target consumers, and educate them on all different forms and ways to cook with blueberries, consume blueberries, find them, but it really is different countries are in different stages of market development for each form. For frozen, the largest markets are South Korea and Japan, mostly supplied by the Pacific Northwest, followed by China, New Zealand, Thailand, and the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is the largest market for USA exported blueberries, but we are seeing increase in demand in other European Union countries. For fresh, a little bit more divided, but South Korea, Oregon's the only state allowed to ship to South Korea, and it was the largest export market outside of North America last year. So that says something about the export capability of the Oregon industry. Followed by Japan, the United Kingdom, and then Taiwan, Singapore, and Hong Kong, which are really transshipment markets. A lot goes to these markets, but then ends up in other countries, maybe where the tariff is, is higher, um, or in other countries such as Indonesia, Thailand, other countries within the Southeast Asian region. And then dried, a lot of demand and increase going into the Middle East. The Middle East has a very large dried fruit and nut snacking and food culture and dried blueberries have really fit well into that along with their health message as you know boosting immunity especially in the past two years of the pandemic the dried blueberry market there has really taken off so you see that India Kuwait Saudi Arabia um, but then also in Asia Hong Kong Japan South Korea and China So now I want to talk about our marketing programs and kind of what we're doing internationally, where our resources are being spent, and kind of what our focus is on. And first, we really focus in on origin. Origin matters to global consumers. Some of you may have heard me say that consumers outside of the United States care more about where their food comes from than consumers in the United States. And the USA blueberry industry has that advantage over other global competitors. Despite prices, despite the disadvantage of tariffs, shipping costs, et cetera, there's still that value perceived in the USA blueberry origin. Last year we did a pretty extensive global consumer UNA study in our targeted export markets just to start benchmarking more consistently how our programs are doing internationally, but then also to really help further drive our marketing strategy in-country. And what we found is that of our surveyed targeted consumers, 65% feel that country of origin is important when shopping for blueberries, 20% chose USA as the top quality blueberry producing region, followed by Chile, New Zealand, and local. So that would be serving in China, the Chinese crop. South Korea has its own blueberry industry, et cetera. And the top purchasing drivers were origin, appearance. So I look, appearance also in quality or how it appears when they're shopping and the health benefits. What ranks lower is price. And so what that tells us is that consumers internationally are seeking blueberries because it's the perceived health benefits. They, they see it's from the United States. It's, you know, still more expensive than what American consumers are paying, but the price is not necessarily driving their purchasing decision. And that's something that we can work with. Our demand driving tactics across all of our markets, and they kind of range from each country to each country, we've really worked on developing retail partnerships with the major retailers in each country that are selling blueberries, and then their importers that are bringing it in. And we offer in-store merchandising support, so what we've been doing with the U.N.A. data is really showing what consumers, how they perceive blueberries, what they're looking for, and then helping them build their berry category. In the United States, it's a lot farther developed, but in foreign countries, you know, they they still don't know how do you display them, where are they best located in the store, and then we're able to leverage the other forms that we know are going into the country and have uh, blueberry sections. In some cases, they have fresh next to the freezer. They also have a lot of their dried and manufactured food products and really leveraging blueberry as a flavor, as an experience, and we've been able to be really creative with that with the support of the USHBC funding as well as the grant funding. And then targeted health messaging campaigns with key nutritional influencers and media. So I like to think of this as replicating what has happened in the United States over the past 20 years, but replicating that internationally. So what is that health message? And it's different, slightly, from country to country. And what we wanted to do about two years ago, we really started looking at our target consumers in each country what they care about, what health concerns they have. And we noticed that there were slight nuances from market to market. And so what we've been able to do is tailor that message of blueberries and what their health benefits are that really speak to that consumer. In Vietnam, there's a lot of concern about children and child malnutrition. And so we really highlight the unique nutritional values, both vitamins and minerals. And the retailers are really like this. And so what they've done is help leverage when they're promoting blueberries, in our partnership, they do a lot of, you know, Images of children studying after school, consuming snacks or in their lunch. But then also the benefits contrasted in Japan, the largest fruit-consuming age population is the elderly age group. And so for them, we really focus in on the health benefits of the brain. And there's a lot of studies that are happening at the USHBC in our health research program that target brain functionality. And so we're really focusing in on that in Japan. And so here, what we've been really trying to do is develop specific targeted health messaging campaigns that target those unique benefits that that particular group is interested in. And then lastly, a lot of activity and innovation and promotion with global food service and food manufacturing companies. I'll talk a little bit about this at the end but really leveraging what the blueberry industry has to offer for in terms of ingredient solutions. And a lot of the trends we see in the United States are happening globally. So what we're trying to do is work with the food manufacturing companies that have their new product innovation teams and are working on R&D and make sure that we're positioning the blueberry as the ideal ingredient, especially when it comes to all-natural you know, no added sugars, et cetera, all those things that they're trying to do in their product innovation, how blueberries are an ideal solution for that.
0: Okay. You're going to get to hear more from Alicia later in today's show, but for now, let's take a quick break for our crop report. We are nearing the transition from the Southern hemisphere to us up North here. And I know many of you have appreciated hearing weekly updates from our colleagues in South America throughout their season. So here once again is your blueberry crop report.
2: It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru and Isabel Quiroz in Chile. This was recorded on February 23rd, 2022.
3: Good morning. This is Luis with uh, the crop report from Peru up until the end of week seven, which is the week ending on February twenty. So up until week seven of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 480 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, representing a growth of 36% in volume versus the previous season. From this overall volume, 55% has been shipped to the US, 30% to Europe, 12% to China, and 3% to other destinations. During week seven, a total of 1.9 million pounds were shipped. 62% of this volume was sent to the US, uh, accounting for 1.2 million pounds, which are expected to arrive the US market during the second week of March. 30% of the volume shipped during week seven was sent to Europe, 4% to China, and 4% to other destinations, including Canada, Colombia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Hong Kong, Panama, Singapore, and Thailand. Thank you.
4: Hello. I'm Isabel Quiroz, and this is the Blueberry Crop Report from Chile, information of week five. I'm replacing Andrés Armstrong, that you know very well, who is on vacation. The fresh blueberry export from Chile began their final phase of decline. Indeed, in week five, the first week of February, it was exported 6.6 thousand 6, tons. This is 41% less than the average of the whole weeks of January in the current season. The accumulated volume up to week five is 95.8 thousand tons, 8% less than the previous season. This difference has been shortening every week due to the fact that it was generated at the beginning of the season. Along the increase in southern zones contribution, the weekly increase in organic supply continues. Week 5 was 24% share, and so far this season has already reached to 13.7 thousand tons of organic blueberries. This is 14% share of the total volume exported up to date. This is all for now, and we will be with you next week. Bye-bye.
0: Well, thanks so much to our busy colleagues who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and Insights center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've added a lot more features to this dashboard, including one again this week, that includes things like the USDA shipping price and movement, the retail category performance, Nielsen monthly retail sales report, And now we have a frozen import report. So to check out all of this and more, make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now I'm going to take you back to the Oregon Blueberry Conference for a condensed version of my presentation, which was titled Strategies for Growth in Domestic and International Blueberry Markets, The Big Picture of What's Ahead for the Blueberry Industry. I start off talking about another industry that we look at for inspiration as a model for success, avocados what does inspire us about the avocado model, which is this information that we're talking about as an industry today. The reason I wanted to share this with you is because we're talking about avocados as an inspiration where we see the opportunity for blueberries going forward as a category. It's one that does increase in its supply to consumers because demand grows, but it's also one that doesn't reduce value. So if there's something that I'm working for and our organization is trying to do on your behalf, it's that, yeah, we can increase production, but oftentimes supply and demand circumstances, certainly more supply, you know, ends up causing situations where you've got more supply than demand. But in this case, here's a good example of an industry through good marketing and promotions was able to not only see an increase in that demand per capita going from 2.5 to 8, but also being able to maintain a real price of value over that same period of time. That's what we want for blueberries. So this is something that we're using as our example going forward. They started off in 2003 with 2.5 cents. That's $50 a ton. And so that's something that they have in their advantage, which is why they can take out those Super Bowl ads like they do. They also combine funds. They create money ball programs where they're bringing resources in from more than one place to be able to offset their budgets for the things that they do as an organization. We'll talk a little bit about how we've modeled after them. The reason why this is important for us as an industry right now, you probably have seen, if you've seen any of my presentations, I I start here because this is talking about that awareness era. A lot of our industry, especially in the United States, went through an awareness era. That was an era where we could be able to drive consumer interest and intent to purchase because we were just simply putting it in front of them and telling them, you know, eat blueberries. We had a great message. We had the health halo. And we were able to grow that first wave through just increasing awareness and demand growth that way. The next wave for any industry, and again, we're at a point of inflection where we have a choice as an industry. We can either keep growing and not innovate, or we can decide that we know we need to do some things in order to change the industry's trajectory in order to enjoy the next blue wave. So we talk about what that era is going to be called, and we've been defining it as the innovation era. Because our mission and our vision has changed with our new strategic plan, our goal here, more dollars to drive our new vision, which is that USHBC empowers the industry to make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. So we spent a good part of last year developing a strategic five-year plan, and through the work of the committee and the council and the board, came up with this new vision on behalf of the industry. And I'm excited about it because I get a lot of questions about, really, the world's favorite fruit? You're just going to go there, right to the top? You know, World's favorite fruit. You know you're up against bananas and tomatoes and all these other folks. Uh, yeah, because what else are we doing, right, as a category? We're here on your behalf to drive people's interest and awareness in blueberries. And we've got a story to tell, and we have the resources, and we're increasing those resources to do it. So it is a vision statement. And when working with the group, this is where we wanted to cast that vision. That's what our North Star looks like. And with your help, we'll get there. These are some of the things that came out of that strategic plan as priorities. So when you think about our marketing and communications pillar, we also have a a health and nutrition pillar and a global business development pillar. We have five pillars. These are three of them. But the reason I wanted to stop here because you can see some of the metrics at which we're going to measure our success over those next five years. Food service as an example. We're penetrating at 24% today. We hope to be at 35% within the next five years. That's going to be an important benchmark for us as an industry is to really penetrate food service. Why? Because during the pandemic, we learned that when we lost food service, it was kind of like, meh, food service, because we could just move it all into retail. And we did. And we were successful with it. I had peers who, like in potatoes, strawberries, they were scrambling. They didn't know what they were going to do when they lost their food service business. They didn't think retail could suck it all up. They had just so many pounds that they had moving into a channel that all of a sudden was lost to them. Blueberries, we just didn't have that problem. I want that problem. I mean, I don't want problems, but you can imagine, I think it would be helpful if we were more diversified into the food service channel, which is why there's a goal here to really drive blueberries in the food service. Retail is another place where we see a big runway. You can see here that the penetration for household penetration is about 49%. That depends on where you look, but for today we're gonna say 49% and we're hoping to grow that to 59%. That's a huge opportunity for us and you're gonna see us invest in this next year with some of these new MOU monies, about a million dollars. Actually, it'll be a little over a million dollars into the retail channel itself. Manufacturing is from 85 million pounds in 2019 to 150 million pounds. That's going to be a lot of what Alicia's talking about and working towards on behalf of the industry. There's a huge amount of opportunity in industrial use. And uh, I think John hinted at that. We have a real challenge on some of the inventory situation that we're at right now with some of the partnerships that we could possibly have. But the long and short of it is, if we do some of this well in food ingredient work, food manufacturing, there just isn't enough blueberries right now. So we're gonna continue to push the envelope there on behalf of the industry to grow that part of our program. On the health and nutrition side, now this is an area I'm really excited about. Of course, you've got some great leadership here in the room who represent the health and nutrition program for USHBC for years. Actually, our chair of the health research committee is Dave Breselton, and uh, a large part of our program has been anchored around the health halo that we've been successful with for many, many years. Well, we're gonna continue to validate the importance of blueberries in health. And this is gonna grow into a nutrition affairs program under the leadership of Senior Director of Nutrition and Health Research, Dr. Leslie Wada. And so I'm really excited about this pillar and what it's gonna do on behalf of the industry. And then when you roll up to global business development, this is a really important part of the industry's commitment to diversifying its portfolio. I say that because just like in any business, we want to make sure that we're hitting all the right places to move this pile into these uh, channels that we need to see the fruit go into so that we can keep taking on that production that's coming on. And so obviously you heard from Alicia today. She did a great job talking about some of our goals, but that goal is to double the exports we're sending with our USA Blueberries program overseas. And I think she did a great job talking about why we landed on that USA brand. It's something that I think we can wave the flag across the world and people are going to respond. And we're really excited about that new program, her leadership on that. And I think this is a real achievable goal, but it's gonna take a commitment from this industry not to leave the market when this market's hot and leave another country waiting for their fruit. We gotta commit to these countries and we need to make sure that we diversify that portfolio of our inventory. Now, when we're looking at kind of our demand driving tactics, Instacart has been huge for us in being able to see real data pulled back from consumers who are buying blueberries by marketing to them. Uh, We obviously are going to continue to stay always on with social media. I talked about Hulu, and then we're going to get into a program called No Kids Hungry in 2022. So that's something where we're going to partner with a nonprofit to kind of help, again, drive our message, but come alongside a nonprofit who can talk about our story and the role we represent in blueberries to food programs in the United States. As an example, you know, we just recently met with Wendy's to talk about their menu and the things that blueberries could do on that, but we're going to need that fruit. And one of the examples that was given today about the Mini Blues is something we've ran into, Crackle Barrel. If you've looked at their menu, they'll market the main wild blueberries as the blueberry of choice for Cracker Barrel, it's because they don't find a small enough blueberry for wanting to work with us. They would if they could, but there's just not enough small blueberries. So again, more innovating that we could do on behalf of the industry. And I really love the opportunity I had recently to go to the blueberry boot camp up in Tequila, Washington, where we work with Colnex, bringing in food ingredient operators to help think through what are their innovations needs that they want to do with blueberries in the future, and how can our program help them. I hope you've seen this before, but if you haven't, this is another thing you can go to our website to participate in marketing our blueberries together. Whether you have got a U-Pick or you're all the way up to a marketer who's working at retail or within food service, uh, pay attention to how we put our promotion calendar together. We can all be working together to push these power periods forward. Our committee chair, Jeff Malensky, is here. Uh, this is part of his committee's program work. In order to kind of wave the flag at the same time and say the same thing together, makes a much louder voice into the marketplace than if we were to do it by ourselves. So we put these calendars out to help our industry rally together on our messages. We're going to take a quick break right here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this episode in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks.
5: Thanks, Casey. Can we talk blueberry food, blueberry cornflake chicken waffle cone, charred blueberry chimichurri steak bowl, blueberry avocado trifle, blueberry lemon meringue pie, and even a blueberry Manhattan cocktail. These are just a few of the more than two dozen blueberry recipes tasted and tested at USHBC's recent culinary innovation workshop in Boulder, Colorado. We were joined by USHBC chair, Shelley Hartman of True Blue Farms and folks from Cal Giant, Driscoll's, Nature Ripe, and Sweetfields to test drive the next wave of blueberry innovation and inspiration for the USHBC Food Service Program. Their strategic mouthwatering session was hosted by our food service agency, Sterling Rice Group, and their talented chef team to set 2022 plans to build relationships and get blueberry innovation on the menu in K-12, colleges and universities, and in commercial restaurants nationwide. You see, innovation is the lifeblood of the food service industry. And now more than ever, short-staffed operators are looking to brands and boards for support as it relates to menu ideas. As a commodity board, we're in a great position to partner with operators across all segments to bring them innovative ideas about the many inspiring possibilities for blueberries on menus. Many of the tested concepts will be professionally photographed and put front and center in communications, presentations, events, and advertising to showcase the best of what blueberries can do for our food service operator partners. Other concepts will be featured in chef-inspired recipes on our food service website at ushbc.org slash USHBC has become a well-respected resource for menu inspiration and innovation support within the food service industry. This in-depth process that Delivers the top quality concepts our partners need and that will drive blueberry volume for the industry. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you.
0: Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode, live from Salem, Oregon, about growing blueberry demand. Alicia is outlining opportunities for blueberries in new geographies and new markets.
1: So our targeted markets internationally, South Korea, Japan, Vietnam, Philippines, Malaysia, and China, those are our markets where we have our largest consumer demand driving programs. We also have a program in India, which is more focused on ingredient solutions and developing relationships with food manufacturers. And then we just learned that the USDA funded a study for South America. And that will target Mexico, Brazil, and Colombia as a start in terms of developing the market for processed and frozen blueberries. So that'll get started this year. um, But that'll really be our largest effort to develop the South American market for blueberries. Which I think will have a lot of additional benefits as we get to know kind of what the current distribution trends are, aside from their product coming north. What opportunities do US suppliers have for targeting those markets? So I want to end my time talking about the ingredient market globally. Kind of as a follow up from this morning, you know, I think the process, the frozen supply, really is is not enough to meet what the market could hold over the next five to 10 years. Arguably, there's not enough blueberries in the world to meet what the world can consume. A few years back I was doing some calculations on Chinese blueberry consumption and looking at the population of middle upper-income consumers that would be your ideal target consumers in China. It's the size of the entire US population. And US population, household penetration is under 40%. So not even the US market is fully realized in its potential for blueberries. And in China, it's just a small fraction of that in terms of blueberry consumption. So looking at what the potential is, obviously not forgetting about the trade barriers and the issues that you have to grow them. The market is potentially very large, and what we're trying to do is find those opportunities so that as the industry matures, you're able to take advantage of them. The global market for blueberry ingredients is projected to grow by 7.3% between 2020 and 2025. Found this statistic, and we've really been including this in our outreach to food manufacturing companies and food service operators, just to show how fast it's growing. We're already in 2022. And then looking at Mintel data, tracking new products containing Blueberries around the world, and you really see that growth over the past nine to 10 years. The largest categories are dairy, snacks, bakery, and juice drinks. These are new products from around the world. You do see a drop over the past two years, and that was caused by the pandemic, and a lot of these companies literally having to shut down their R&D, trying to keep afloat to keep up with the demand, dealing with a lot of their HR issues as well. And then the top 15 countries introducing new products, the USA, China, Germany, France, Canada, Australia, but then also Japan in there, Korea, Mexico, Brazil, and then a lot of European countries. And then also meeting these companies as I was talking a little bit more. Mars Incorporated is set to remove all artificial colors from its human food portfolio. Kellogg's came out that it's 90% of their recipes do not contain artificial colors and flavors. And General Mills is removing artificial ingredients from their cereals. So uh, General Mills actually one of their R&D team sits on our R&D advisory board, and this has been something that he's been talking a lot about. But also interestingly, with General Mills is they have their own health institute in house, and some of the conversations we have is that we're so focused on grains, you know, that's a primary ingredient, cereal, but we don't know a lot about what the fruit ingredients do. So through that partnership with General Mills, we've been able to link them with Dr. Leslie Wada, who you all know works on our health research program, and really make sure that these companies are aware of the health benefits that they're able to claim. One interesting nuance is that ingredients, you know a lot of our messaging is targeting fresh, frozen as well, but we're really aiming to learn more about what blueberry ingredients do uh, in terms of retaining their health value when they're manufactured in food products. So, There's more coming. We're working with USDA to really figure out what the next steps are on that. But more in that nutrition uh, affairs policy work, um, you should be seeing a lot more information that we're able to talk about on that side because it really will help a lot of these companies meet their goals when they have an ingredient that helps meet what they're trying to do on their end. And I want to end with a few slides just about kind of new products that we're seeing on the market that are really falling in line with the trends that we're really seeing and pushing and incorporating into our program. So on the left-hand side, you see um, two very colorful blue products. You may remember that Justine Snacks, if any of you follow her on TikTok or social media, had that viral blueberry cookie, the vegan blueberry cookie that was really made popular because of the blue color. But a lot of food companies are looking for natural alternatives to really highlight the blue color in their food. So that's been a really interesting and fun part of our food innovation program. Um, And then you see that um, the great grains, the blueberry morning cereal products, baby products, and then in this kombucha product, really highlighting the gut and brain, blueberry, elderberry, and acai are listed in the ingredients here. And then goat's milk. Um, a lot of companies that we're working with have, you know, just say anecdotally, like we want to develop an experiment with new products, but we need a flavor that consumers are comfortable with, that they're familiar with. And so what, what they're saying is, we want to use blueberries as a way to explore and innovate but also not go too far off of what consumers like and we know that they see value in. So that's why a lot of them are coming to the Blueberry Council now with our custom innovation program to work on their new product innovation. And so that's why I wanted to include goat's milk ice cream for dogs, by the way. But there's also other products that have goat milk, too, that they're using blueberries as that more traditional ingredient that allows them to have that exploration.
0: Well, I hope that gets you excited about the future for blueberries and the potential to reach our vision of becoming the world's favorite fruit. I want to thank Alicia Adler for her presentation there in Salem, which was fantastic, as always. And I want to thank our host, the Oregon Blueberry Commission, again for a tremendous event. Speaking of events, I hope to see each and every one of you in Tampa, Florida next week for our spring meetings. If for some reason you can't be there in person, make sure you register to attend virtually. Now, this will be a great few days of learning, business, and networking with our industry. So make sure you register today at BlueberryEvents.org. That's it for episode 87. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on The Business of Blueberries. Nike dropped avocado shoes uh, last week saying that they're rolling out with a food-inspired tennis shoe series. And I'm not sure who we have to talk to about this, but somebody needs to fix this. If you've got connections to Nike, we need to address this. And of course, you have a representative in the room. Please talk to Doug about those shoes. I would be wearing Blueberry Nikes if they were available.